Welcome to the Pope on Film. I am Bunny Williams, and with me is I am the Pope in question. My name is Reverend Steve. I am the founder of the Church of Ed Wood, which is an actual thing worth a Google. This is episode 299 of the podcast, and that means the next week is our big 400th episode, and we are very excited yes. about it. Um, and uh, just, just to give you guys a sneak peek of the episode that we have in store for you today, uh, you're going to want to stay tuned until the end because there's going to be some singing in Act 3 that is really just going to blow your mind. Yes. Okay? So our team have worked really hard coming up with some amazing songs for you, and you were really, really going to like it. So you're going to want to stay tuned for Act 3. It's going to be a whole bunch of fun. Uh, Very excited for today's episode. We're going to be talking about Archduke Ferdinand. We're going to be talking about Garfield. We are going to be talking about burritos. Okay. We're talking about Cinemax. Cinemax. How, with this movie, you know, Cinemax. it's just figures. Cinemax. We're going to be talking about Cinemax. And uh, I put on Twitter that we were going to be doing hard ticket to Hawaii. And somebody wrote, if you two dare to sully the good name of director Andy Sedaris and make fun of this movie. I swear to you, that will be fine because it's shit, but it's good shit. <laughs> and I thought that that was a pretty good uh, explanation of this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is, this is a, a weird kind of film. Well, uh, I was going to save this until we got to the movie, but I'm gonna, just going to say it anyway about this week's movie, Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Hawaii is a beautiful place to visit, but it's a horrible place to live. Why is that? Well, number one, all of the white people tourists. Yes. That would drive me insane. Like, uh, it's the same thing in Arizona. You get so many snowbirds. Yeah, uh-huh. And it's just horrible. But also, the rocket launcher violence is so bad in Hawaii. Everyone just shooting rocket launchers at everything. And it's just, it's too much. It's too much. I'm wearing I'm wearing a bun here by my wife, and I'm not sure if you can tell, but um, it's a unicorn. So really, really proud of that. Got a unicorn pen in my hair. So I'm really excited for this week's episode. So let us get to it. This movie was like a series of cool things for no real damn good reason. I will elaborate on that later. I saw some Twitter account for for bad movies and B movies and grindhouse movies and and 
someone on the Twitter account said, tits in 10 minutes or I'm turning it off. Yeah. And I heard that before, but that really does do a good job of explaining grindhouse movies. Tits in 10 minutes or I'm turning it off. This movie got it in in under two. Yes, it did. Oh, that was impressive. And I'm like, I wonder how long it's going to take. I'm going to pay attention to that tits in 10 minutes thing I saw on Twitter. No, like a minute 45 into the film. It's impressive how quickly they got into it. Yes. When when we were leading up to the movie and Jeannie and I were talking, you know, we will have that what's this week's movie. And at some time later, she went to repeat it and she was like, hard ride to hawaii and i was like no hard ride to hawaii that would definitely be a porn Mm. turns out not terribly far off yeah pretty much i i think this definitely should qualify as soft core yes yes i like the one guy who was doing it with the nude woman and he he's he, it's not he's not making noises in the fit of passion he's just there going ah! Yeah. Ah! he's just yelling yeah. it, was, it was really something anyway let's let's get let's get to it bunny yes recently in new hampshire um which which i'm really proud of I'm glad that they built it because the original Hampshire Hampshire was really shitty. So I'm really glad there's a new one. Yeah. Like the original Hampshire, they still have a Kmart. <gasps> Do you they? know? Like what the hell? Like I'm we, so glad they made a new Hampshire to replace the old Hampshire. Our, anyway. our Kmart put up a valiant, valiant try. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, only yeah. and only closed in like, gee, maybe somewhere in the last two years. Ours did. Ours did finally closed. Ours closed two or three years ago after someone wrote a scathing review on their blog that caused a firestorm. Who knows who that was? Yes. Uh, it's really lost to time. Anywho. Recently in New Hampshire, a family was doing a gender reveal and decided, like you do, apparently, I don't know, I'm not white enough to understand this, but apparently uh, the family was doing a gender reveal and decided to use 80 pounds of explosives Yes. in their gender reveal, and the resulting massive explosion was so gargantuan it cracked the foundation of houses miles and miles away okay this follows a similar gender reveal disaster in february of this year where a gender reveal party inexplicably decided to use old-timey cannons and one misfired, sending shrapnel in all directions, killing a 26-year-old Michigan man. You know, it would be hilarious if that was part of the gender reveal. Ah, you see the person who died? It was a man. So, little Bobby will be due in June. Yes. (laughs) 
like taking those gender reveals seriously. Now, there's a lot to unpack here. First of all, there's more and more verified reports of unidentified flying objects out there. I'm going in a slightly different direction, but I'm going to loop around. There's more and more reports of unidentified flying objects out there that are being verified, not by, uh, you know, TMZ or Weekly World News or the drummer from Blink-182, but by the U.S. government. Yes. It's it's crazy. And, and, And... God forbid aliens are real, because I don't know how we're going to explain this. <laughs> you know? God forbid aliens are real and they land and they're trying to, they're asking questions about the things that they've seen that uh, humanity has done that they're confused of. And they're like, we've got some questions. First off, why didn't the why why didn't Walt Disney's people people mover take off? Shouldn't you all be writing people movers and watching movies in circle vision? That's number one. Number two, um, what is a Bieber? And then number three, uh, the aliens are like, what is this ritual? Oh well, we're expecting a new human. And we'll be using these old weapons of war to tell our family and friends what our baby's genitals will look like. Yes. At that point, the the aliens just leave. And they might actually say, oh, does this play on the, like, species genocide that you do with each other? Right? Yes. Like, heaven forbid we have to start explaining our humanity to the aliens because humans are absolutely insane. The whole (laughs) concept insane and like cishet. It's absolutely insane. Oh, it's yeah. absolutely gender conformity and fucking societal yeah. pressure. Yeah. So also, um, gender reveal parties are being attacked and rightfully so because... I mean, uh, one started a damn forest fire. Yeah, one started a damn forest fire. Yeah. Um, because there has been a long-standing history in America, I say America, in the world of gender reveals gone awry. It's not like this is a new thing, because it's not a new thing. It has been around for the long, for the longest time. There's a long-standing history of gender reveal disasters. How long-standing? I've got a list. Okay. Right here, gender reveal disasters in history. Because I'm, I'm a lover of history. I love it. Yes. So I'm going to talk about some of my favorite gender reveal disasters to you now. Number one, you might not know this, but the captain of the Titanic was expecting. Really? Yeah, his wife was expecting, and he was going to uh, surprise everyone by... by revealing the name of the uh, the gender of the baby but here's the thing everyone sees the like iceberg that he crashed into that was sort of white bluish people do not realize there was a second iceberg and it was pink yes 
People don't realize that. That was lost in history. He didn't crash into the pink iceberg. He crashed into the white and blue iceberg. And then people died. Hopefully one day uh, historians will be able to find that pink iceberg. Yes. But that was one of the earliest general reveals. I I had heard it slightly different. I I had heard that he had... He had really big plans for for a gender reveal, you know. I mean, this is the Titanic. This is the luxury fucking cruiser of its day. What a better place. But then they hit the iceberg, so that kind of fucked up all of his plans, you know. But he still had, you know, he promised everybody a gender reveal. So he just drew a penis on his forehead in Sharpie and went about trying to save everybody after hitting the iceberg. Yeah, well, you know, historians. That's funny. I heard it differently. You heard it differently. What did you hear? You hear that there was actually a pink iceberg out there. I heard that he was supposed to hit the iceberg, and then it was going to crumble to reveal a blue ice sculpture. Nice, nice. Nice. Yeah, yeah. He was supposed to crash Titanic into the iceberg a bunch of times, like an ice pick, and just slowly reveal spot. You know, yeah. like the hit here to break glass in case of emergency. So, yeah. you know, but he missed. Very, very sad. Yeah. Number two, uh, a lot of times when people listen to the radio broadcast of the Hindenburg disaster. Yeah. Uh, the audio cuts out too soon. A similar story with this week's film, the Andy Sedaris film, Hard Ticket to Hawaii. I had seen numerous clips over the years of the snake getting hit with a rocket launcher. Is that it? Is that why the fucking... Not that scene, but for me, the Frisbee scene. Like, I've fucking seen this. I had seen, I had seen beforehand, I had seen, I hadn't seen the Frisbee scene, but I had seen the snake rocket launcher scene and the skateboarding assassin scene. Yeah. Before. But I hadn't seen the Frisbee. The Frisbee was shocking. I showed that to my wife. My wife. Yes. That's what you do after you kill someone with, with a, with like a, a Frisbee, you go. That's that's our thing now, honey. So, uh, I, a lot of people have cut out the rocket launcher snake bit and put it on YouTube, but I was shocked to finally see the full movie and realize that they cut it too soon because the real amazing part is, where did that come from? Would you believe, Would you believe the, toilet? the toilet? And then the guy goes, huh. Just when you thought it was safe to go pee. That's the tag. Right there. Just when you... That was the tag. And you cut it out. So the same thing with the Hindenburg, because the Hindenburg disaster radio guy is like, oh, the humanity. And now the blimp falls to the ground in a massive spectacle of of violence and fire. Oh, the fire is burning. So many people dead. Oh, the humanity. But if you notice the the Hindenburg did land on the pink target. Yes. So 
Congratulations to the captain who will be expecting a girl. So, so there's number two, the second gender reveal disaster in history. Uh, the third, of course, most famous one, it, uh, the beginning of World War One and the assassination of uh, Archduke Franz Ferdinand. You know what his last words were? His last, he was actually asking for it. Archduke Franz Ferdinand, because the last thing that Franz Ferdinand said was, take me out. Now, that's not a funny joke in 2021, but if it was 2004, that shit would have been hilarious. Yes. Just saying. Not yes, a lot of people are doing Franz, Franz Ferdinand, the band comedy, but it, but that's why... Mr. Steve exists. It was so, it was a bold move. Thank you. Thank you. But what people don't realize is that uh Archduke Ferdinand had two apples on his head and one was a green one was a blue apple, one was a pink apple. They were William telling it. I see my problem though and it is my problem is yes. that in any way shape or form if I hear Ferdinand, I'm thinking about a bull who likes flowers. Bull, yes, 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 very much so. And I and I yeah. I, I cannot think of anything else. Did you see the new one? Did I see the new one? No. Yeah, nobody saw the new one. That's what you get when you have John Cena star in your film. No one knew the movie exists. Was it all? Uh... Who's supposed to be the star? I Who's, can't see it. Yeah. I can't hear the voice at all. Is this another Invisible Man movie? Yeah, the Invisible Man starring John Cena. Yeah, it was animated. It might have been DreamWorks. I don't know. Yeah. But but yeah. Uh, and then the last one, the last uh, gender reveal in history, is wildly controversial. Okay. But um, it has been almost 20 years, so I feel that I can say this without upsetting too many people. Okay. I'm not going to get into detail, but let's just say Bin Laden was expecting. Yes. And he kind of fucked up the whole thing. One tower was supposed to be blue. Yeah. One or was supposed to be pink. He messed it all up, is what I'm saying. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, because there's, there's a lot of... We're not getting the straight facts. And it yeah, is possible say, that his wife was having twins. Or it might have been... Uh, a lot of people say it was an inside gender reveal. <laughs> oh! A lot of people say it was an inside gender so there's that. So I'm, I'm glad we had this talk. So gender reveals important part of history. Yes. That we, you know, that we should not just simply poo poo. So I'm, 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 I'm glad that we had this talk. So uh, cut on that bit there. Buddy. Yes. I haven't been getting a lot of sleep lately. Um, I've been dealing with bouts of loneliness and depression. 
Plus, being a stay-at-home parent weighs heavily on you, especially when there's also a global pandemic and you're trying not to die. Yes. Plus, there's the whole daughter's boyfriend is fighting for his life in the hospital situation that I've got going. Yes. Uh, so I haven't been at 100% lately. So here's the thing. Uh, what do you do when you have nothing written to fill out Act 1? Well, it's time once <laughs> In for us to dive into author Chuck Klosterman. There we go. And his legendary list of 23 questions I ask everybody I meet in order to decide if I can really love them. <laughs> so, uh, really excited about this. Um, I'm going to ask... I've got two of the 23 questions here. I'm going to talk about the, the gorilla first, which I don't think I asked before. If I asked any of these before, just go with it. And then the well, second. Just, but, but see, just in general, that's like a comedy rule, like the rule of three. The gorilla goes first. Yeah, the gorilla goes first. The second one really did. The second question really did start a fierce debate in a, in my house. Okay. Because I asked everybody, and everybody had something to say about it. So we're going to go with the gorilla first. So here you go. Uh, this is question number four of Chuck Klosterman's 23 questions I ask everybody I meet in order to decide if I can really love them. And here it is. Genetic engineers at John Hopkins University have developed a so-called super gorilla. Though the animal cannot speak, it has a sign language lexicon of over 12,000 words and an IQ of almost 85, and most notably, a vague sense of self-awareness. Oddly, the creature, who weighs 700 pounds, becomes fascinated by football. Okay. The gorilla aspires to play the game at its highest level and quickly develops the rudimentary skills of a defensive end. ESPN analysis Tom Jackson speculates that this gorilla would be borderline unblockable and would have likely average six sacks a game, although Jackson concedes the beast might be susceptible to counters and misdirection plays. Meanwhile, the gorilla has made it clear via sign language that he would never intentionally injure any opponent. So here is the question. Okay. You are the commissioner of the NFL. Would you allow this gorilla to sign with the Oakland Raiders? I, I, I have absolutely no... Look, you add a gorilla in any capacity to football i might watch yeah yeah so i'm going so i'm going i'm going a big yes on this one yeah if i was the if i was the nfl commissioner the first thing that i would do uh, <laughs> i just came up with this i would wait to see what trump has to say about it and then i would do the opposite <laughs> Because as we have learned, as we have learned, 
on this podcast, the NFL hates Donald Trump. Yeah. So if 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 Donald Trump came out and released one of his uh, I now live in a hotel. Uh, here's a piece of paper. Send this to the press statements. Uh, and he said, I think the NFL should let the gorilla play. I would 100 percent say no. Yeah. So I would absolutely have no problem letting this gorilla play in the NFL unless Trump also thinks it's a good idea. I I, I accept your I, I accept that answer, but like, see, I, I'm like when you gave me the stats on the gorilla, okay, I equated it to Forrest Gump. Yeah. Okay. okay? Because that's right, the the gorilla has right around that same level, give or take, of mentality that Forrest Gump had. And they let him play football. They absolutely let him play football. The marching band would have to block him to get him to stop running. Yeah. But, you know, that would be a little harder with a gorilla. Yeah, I'd be fine with it. I'd be absolutely fine with it. But it sounds like, again, from your description, that the gorilla had a better grasp on the rules and just wouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, The gorilla has an amazing uh, uh, skill with with sign language. The gorilla knows more sign language than I do. Mm Mm-hmm. So, well, I yeah, think 12,000, 1200 or 12,000, I forget. I think that would give him a bigger vocabulary than Forrest Gump. Yeah, yeah, that probably. sounds like quite a large vocabulary to me. Yeah. So I'm absolutely fine with that. So, okay, so that's. So that's question number one, and and we're going to leave that. If either of us were vegan, we'd probably have a different answer. Yes. Because I feel that that question is leading, is leaning towards, would this be cruel to the gorilla? Would this... Again, it has a vocabulary. Ask the gorilla. Question... Though, would this lead to the Planet of the Apes? Oh, definitely. And frankly, yeah. isn't it time? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm okay with that. I mean, okay. I don't know. I know you've looked around. We haven't done so fucking good. <laughs> no, we haven't. We haven't. Okay. We are, we are moving on to question 14, which... Oh, there's so much to this question. Okay? Okay ready for this i i don't know if i will ever be ready for this okay so here is question number 14 for reasons that cannot be explained cats can suddenly read at a 12th grade level okay cats cannot talk and they cannot write but they can read silently and comprehend the text. 
Okay. Many cats love this new skill because now they have something to do all day while they lay around the house. However, a few cats become depressed because reading forces the cats to realize the limitations of their existence not to mention utter frustration of being unable to express themselves. Now, here's the question. Here's the question. Really think about this, okay? This being the case, do you think that the average cat would enjoy Garfield or would cats find the cartoon to be an insulting caricature? Now let me just insulting come insulting caricature to be sure. Okay. Uh, I feel because, the same way because I my first fear of cats reading is they are going straight for the Machiavellian shit. I feel like they would and go straight to Lord of the Flies. That cannot yeah. be allowed. You know, because then all day you have to be like. Tippy, stop the plotting and planning, okay? This isn't this. Th Look, we live on a very busy highway. This household is not Game of Thrones, you know? Yeah, because of their reading material, and they could be they could be very very dangerous. I feel that eventually, over the course of time, cats are going to learn, like, by proxy, that cats will be able to point at a word and be able to express themselves a bit. Yes. You know, that over the course of time, some cats will at least be able to, like, hey, I see some paint and just sort of write, like food with their paws over time cats i i believe will be able to write and express themselves a bit but i feel that that is a slippery slope and that eventually yeah it's going to be planning of the cats yeah but i feel that most cats will be like Every day is the same. I don't care about Mondays. Yeah. As a cat, Mondays, Wednesdays, Saturdays, it is all the same. I have no harsh feelings towards Mondays. Also, a lasagna will make me sick. <laughs> I do not understand why this cat is eating pasta, which is something I cannot have. Yeah. Furthermore, you know, I, 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 I do not uh, agree with the character of cats being lazy and laying around. I feel yeah. that that's unfair. Although I do feel that cats would enjoy how mean Garfield is to Odie, and I feel that it will lead to cat on dog crime. Yes, I agree. Thank you, Maxwell. I feel that uh, Garf. I feel that some cats would like it ironically. Yes, you know, 
but but I, I feel that most cats would find it uh, an, an insulting caricature. But that got me thinking, what things would cats like? And I thought of something, and you might disagree with me, Bunny, but I think I'm right on the money here. I think cats would fucking love the movie Cats. Yes. I agree with that. I, I, I th- do think so. I think the cats would love it. Look at that, a cat. But it looks like a human. Look at the music, the pageantry, how noble they look. Look at that one on the street. I was a street cat before I was picked up by my owner. I relate to this. I feel that cats would love cats. Yes, but they would. there would always be one cat probably Choo Choo, who would be like, all right, so where are their assholes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is completely not believable now. Cats. For one thing, for one thing, none of these cats are licking their hoo-hahs. Yes. So I don't like that. But I feel that cats would really love cats. And that really makes me think about the movie Cats. You know? Really gets me thinking about it. Yeah. That cats would love that movie. Maybe we need to reevaluate it. Maybe we just need to be a cats podcast. I I know that just the idea of a jellical cat has stuck with me. Yes. So sometimes I will see something or I will read something and it'll just like kind of pop in my head like that's not very jellical of you. You know? Uh, the original Broadway version recording of Skimbleshanks the Railway Cat is and not Skimbleshanks, sorry, Magical Mr. Mistopheles is just on my phone and on heavy rotation and we listen to it regularly. Yeah. It is a regular thing that we listen to. And it is it's a hit song in this house. So, so that says something. So it sounds like we both feel that cats would be insulted by Garfield. Just for different reasons. Yes. Yes. Where I, where, where you, you feel, you, you feel that, that, that Garfield in and of itself would be very degrading to cats, where I feel more that cats would go after different reading material, like yes, the, yes. the sod, you yeah. know. Cats would go after every piece of literature that you would think that would be the last thing you would ever want a cat to read. I feel and that cats, cats would be all over that shit. So, so yeah, like I, Machiavelli, it would be it would be the Marquis de Sade. I think cats would be, really be into the Marquis de Sade. Um, cats would be reading Bible. Thomas Wolfe. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> cats would be reading. Thomas Wolf or like the Divine Comedy, and then you're like, uh, "Hey, Meowsy, do you want to read Garfield?" And they would just look down at you <laughs> and be like, "Excuse me, that's a comic strip." Well, 
one thing you're forgetting, cats are assholes. Always. So just because they can read doesn't mean they will. They probably won't. They won't read. That's a good point. Get me food. (laughs) Clean my litter box. If cats can read and un- and comprehend the text, does that also mean that they will suddenly understand music? Oh, sure. Oh, shit. I bet that cats would be into something that would be really weird for cats. <laughs> and for some reason, all cats are just like, well, you just don't get John Tesh. into ballroom dancing well it's it the cats are just there like well you know it's obvious you haven't seen dave matthews live he's much better live yes (laughs) cats would be like you don't get it because you're american hasselhoff (laughs) is huge in germany yes This is this this has sparked intense debate throughout the family. But we this would, we would never we would never know though because they would not they would still not be able to speak. But I feel that they would be able to get a book, and then they're reading it, and then they will point at sad, yeah, and then point at themselves. Oh, you know, you know what, you know what? I got it, I got it, because this is not only a cult, but has the potential of being fucking hysterical. Okay, go for it. Make a really big Ouija board, you know? Oh, fuck like a yeah! Floor size Ouija board. Nice coat of wax. Throw the cat in the center. Then the cat would be able to point at the letters while sliding all over the fucking board. (laughs) In my mind, that looks like that weirdo scene from Peter Jackson's King Kong where he goes ice skating. Yes. Well, have you seen those buttons that dogs can push? Yes, I have. I was I've been thinking about that this entire question. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. 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 Outside. Cat. And they push the right button. <laughs> well, I one thing we have proven is that we have discovered the exact way that we get to both the planet of the apes and the planet of the cats. Yeah. So, wasn't entirely expecting that in just Act One of the podcast, but hey, kudos to us. Yes, going to new exciting places. Um, yes, we are, and and we deserve to be proud for it. Yeah, yeah, we do. People do not understand the awesomeness of this podcast for lo these many years. And then the cats are watching the Blu-ray DVD 
of cats. And then they see that all of the actors had to go to cat school to learn how to be a cat. And cats are just there going, yes. Yes. Finally. Can I sign up my human for cat school? Because he is such a John Arbuckle. <laughs> Love for my human to go to cat school. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, my meow. So excited. Mm. So, mm. so what was some of the household controversy? Um. Whether or not Garfield would be popular, a lot of people thought Garfield would be popular. A lot of people thought that cats would hate Garfield. Yeah. I was firmly that cats would find it insulting, but a lot of people were like, oh, no, cats will love it. Uh, so, uh, um, one person thought that uh, Garfield would end up being like, you know, you see a college student with a with a with a Che Guevara shirt. Yeah. And that cats would be fighting for their freedom and Garfield would just be their the face of cat freedom. And that you'd see a cat with like a Garfield face and their whole thing would just be like Mondays. Yeah. Mondays. We gotta stop the Johns of the world from thinking that they own us. Yes. But no, I feel that cats would roundly reject. Garfield. That basically a cat would see the comic strip Garfield as Uncle Tom's cabin. Uh, yeah. <coughs> well, I still think Garfield would just be a, a bit more beneath them. Yeah. 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 But. This is this has been a wonderful segment that so turns out. Maybe we could go here, okay? I know it's not really a choice. Yes, but like like a maybe, like like they might like Garfield, but they won't fucking admit it. Yeah, yeah, that is very cat. Garfield would be the Da Vinci Code of for cats. <laughs> Ugh, Garfield. Yeah. And then the cats are like, "Okay, but I've got a question. Did they make a musical called Dogs? No. Ooh, even better." <laughs> So this musical's just for us. Yeah. I'm so excited. Hope there's milk in it. Oh, there's milk, all right. (laughs) Oh, really need to watch Cats again now. Because cats would love cats. Cats would love cats. Cats would love cats. Yes. That's really something. Anyway, that's it for... uh, Chuck Klosterman's 23 questions this time around. We will be back with more Chuck Klosterman questions when I run out of things for Act One. And cut on that. Party! Yes. We still have a full podcast to get to. We need to talk about um, 
cool. We need to talk about um, Fritos. We need to talk about um, Cinemax. We need to talk yes. about Peebo Bryson. Okay. Before we get to any of that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should take a break. I agree with your assessment. We will be right. I did not ask you, Maxwell. You were on double secret probation. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Look, this podcast isn't over. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! <laughs> we will be right back with more of the Poop on Film after this. Do 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 had cause to laugh today, and no, I'm not talking about Trump care. They're fine with that. The book, Reasons to Vote for Democrats, a comprehensive guide, released on February 8, 2017 and written by Michael J. Knowles, became Amazon's number one bestseller. The book, which contains 266 blank pages, has a loyal fan base who were more than happy to leave a review singing its praise. While many found the book informative, captivating, and the best book they have seen this year, others found that the 266 blank pages actually gave them nightmares. Some purchasers of the book found the blank pages too daunting and are anxiously awaiting the audio version. The GOP base, who vigilantly scrutinizes any and all events for even the slightest hint of conspiracy, concocted this very plausible scenario. Quote, I totally called that Dems would copy this idea and call it their own. Remember kids, if they didn't have double standards, they wouldn't have standards at all. Unquote. In fact, this has already happened when liberal trolls released this book two months earlier. Why Trump Deserves Trust, Respect, and Admiration, written by David King, contains 206 blank pages. TPOF analyst Floyd Likes the Cox notes that it took Michael J. Knowles two months to plagiarize a blank book. 
While many agree with Mr. Likes the Cox, critics are quick to point out that blank novelty books have been a staple of the publishing and novelty industry for many years. They believe that this may indicate that the plagiarism could potentially go back much, much further. Those who are aware of the book Why Trump Deserves Trust, Respect, and Admiration repeatedly point out that that book never made the number one spot on Amazon's bestseller list. Research conducted by Satoshi Kanazawa of the London School for Economics and Political Science seems to indicate that Democrats prefer books that actually have words in them. In the good old days, this doesn't happen because they used to treat them very, very rough. And when they protested once, you know, they would not do it again so easily. Are you from Mexico? Are you from Mexico?
stitched together with the bodies of the dead? Were you brought to life by a, a hideous experiment that was meant to usurp God's authority? Are you damned to roam the earth, a soulless monster without a soul? Well then, simply try Chia Soul. Chia Soul. Simply spread the seeds, water them, and in a few weeks you'll have your very own soul. Chia Soul. Maker of Chia Pubes.
And we're back with more of the Pope on Film. We are. <laughs> I was here. I was just. I was just getting myself some coffee. Hi, everybody. Hi. Bunny, eyes up here. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Men are all alike. I am so sick of this. I will be in my trailer. No, I'm, I've been wondering more about your hair, though. Oh, I, I went to I went to Amber and I said, I need a messy bun like I no, go ahead, go ahead, but that's not what I meant. I told Amber, I said, I need a messy bun like I just did hot yoga for an hour, and now I need to go to Target to pick up some things before my boyfriend gets home. And so I need a messy-ass bun, preferably with a pen in it. And she said she couldn't do it, so I asked my wife, I was like, hey, I need you to give me a messy ass bun. And she said, uh, ask Amber. And I said, I asked Amber and she said she wouldn't do it. So uh, and Natasha did my hair right before I got on. This is a unicorn pen in it. And also it's green primarily on top, but in the bottom, it's very layered and you can see the blue in the back, you know, in it, but it's primarily green. I have Dr. Doom hair now. Yes. And I'm fine with it. I'm fine with that. It's different and weird and altogether me. <laughs> no, but I wasn't it. referring to the bun. But in, in other videos, it looks like your hair is darkening. Which, yeah. like, you, you started off with it bleached. And I find that, is that true? You know, first off. Or is it just how I, the video is coming out? I had to bleach my hair in order to get the blue dye in. Yeah. Like, first, at first, Emerald and Natasha were like, oh, you know, we can put some blue. We can just dye your, your hair's black, but we can just dye it blue and you'll be able to see it. And so she dyed my hair without bleaching my hair. And you just couldn't tell it all. There was no yeah. difference whatsoever. It, it was just still black and it didn't take it at all. So Emerald said, okay, tomorrow I'm going to have to just bleach the fuck out of your hair. Well, like, like the purple, you would have problem. You would meet your problems with purple. But now it's just, now it's just very light green. And I really dig it. I really, really dig it. But as, but, it's, uh, as it's looked to me, it looked, like the dye is fading to show your black hair underneath when there should be no black hair underneath. You see well, I mean? my hair my hair apparently grows very quickly because you can slowly but surely start to see that I've got a line of black already. And it feels like I just dyed my hair, but, but no, I, I, I do have a little bit of black coming in. So well, apparently, yeah, I, my would, I would think from from the roots down, though. 
Yeah. Yeah. He says that it's looking like as the green is fading that there's black showing through, not the bleached blonde. Oh yeah, then I don't know. Oh no, yeah, no, I yeah. Yeah, that's oh, a good yeah, point. Yeah, no, I don't I don't know. I've never dyed my hair before, so this is all new to me. And you keep know? in mind, I smoke copious amounts of marijuana. Yes. You know. Everyone and I, don't, I, I don't even know if what I'm seeing is actually correct, because you know how videos come out on YouTube. You know. Yeah. Every, I, every... I don't know if I'm seeing your true color now coming through the video, you know? Everyone, everyone at the everyone at the at the weed convention I went to thought I dyed my oh, hair for four twenty. I'm trying to make them look even. One's bigger than the other. It's like, hey, lady problems, you know. <laughs> uh, but but hey, we 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 skipped we skipped. Let me take off my glasses, buddy. Yes. Are you ready for another exciting installment of Bunny Versus starring the incomparable Bunny Williams? Are you ready? Are you pumped? Are you amped? Are you jazzed? Are you psyched? Are you primed? Are you ready and raring to go? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Good. Well, then, without any further ado, it's time once again for Bunny Versus. And here is your host, Bunny Williams. Take it away, Bunny. And usually here I have some kind of amusing kicker, you know, to yes. kick the conversation going for a short time. And, and I just don't have one right now. So how yeah. you been? Uh, a lot of things are, are happening. And so it's just, it's, it's all of us in the house are not at 100% yeah. because just everything is distracting. Amber is graduating next weekend. Yeah. She's graduating with what an associate's degree and a, a graduating college already. And that that's a big deal. Graduating in two years and uh, she, she's graduating college and that's a big deal. And then um, the kids are almost done with school. Eleanor's going to be in kindergarten. Maxwell's going to be in fourth grade. Bella, it's a question mark because she's not doing that great in school. She's just she's doing good in in most of her classes. But then geometry is just being really tough for her. And she just she excels in person. And this is just difficult. You know, it's it, it, it's like, you know, she was in the she was doing good in high school and then suddenly, hey, there's a disease. Stay at home. And so this is just difficult. But we're we're almost near the end of the school year. Just two more weeks and they'll be done with school and they'll be in yeah. summer already. Uh, and then. Uh, I'm about to do story times live again. Yes. I'm really nervous about. They asked me to bring my treasure box and to hand out stickers, and and I, I I only have ten minutes because usually I'm like the the main focus of story time. But every once in a while, we'll be able to get like an author, and yeah. the author will come in, and the author will read the book, and we've got an author this time. 
So I only have like 10 minutes to do a little bit with the kids in the beginning and read one short book. So I don't have that much time. And at first I was upset about that, but then I thought about it and it's like, this is my first time. So baby steps, you know, it's my first back in almost a year. And I'm really nervous about that. And then of course, my daughter Emerald's boyfriend still dealing with that. He was driving home from work and a drunk driver plowed head first into his car. And it was all over the news and and he was going to lose his leg and he was going to lose his eye. And we thought he was going to die. And he, every day there's just a little bit of news of him getting a little bit better. A couple of days ago, he... Uh, was able to get someone's phone and text Emerald a little bit. He can't, his left eye is just completely effed up. He might lose his left eye, but he was able, and it's his left leg, you know, it it looks like he'll be able to save it, but there are rods in his leg now that'll just be there forever. But he was able to get the phone and then with one hand, with his right eye able to just rudimentally text my daughter. So that's good. He he's cognizant enough. Yeah. To be able to like text and be aware of his surroundings. So that's good. But we're also now worried about Emerald because she just started a new job. Yeah. And she's still doing college. She's doing film school. And I, we barely see her now because she's two cities away uh, staying with the family so she can be close to her boyfriend. And she's barely eating and she's barely sleeping. And she was supposed to work today, but she called in. And it's like, we're in a difficult position because it's like, Emerald, we know that this is the love of your life. And you guys were like going to get engaged and you guys were working on moving in together and you guys are very serious. And this is the love of your life. And we respect that. But also you can't put your life on hold for this boy. You, yeah. Like she's at right now where she might to drop out of school and quit her job just so that she can focus on on this it's like drink water eat food take care of yourself is the better me right now but so that's difficult and then um and then in the middle of all this um realistic you know just to be realistic she's gonna help she's gonna help him more if she's got a job yeah um so that's so that's difficult and then in the middle of all of this uh this day is my wife and i's wedding anniversary i don't know what we're gonna do we might just go and uh get drunk somewhere yeah because we're both vaccinated and it's kicked in by now because you gotta wait like 14 days before it kicks in so so yeah we're we're just all ooh, you know there's a lot going on yeah. and then i it, like two nights ago uh 
Bunny, are you there? Everything just froze for me. Your audio is still coming Bunny? through, but your video is frozen. There you go. Okay. Look like you're popping back in. Okay. Now can you see me? Okay. Okay. Uh, so, oh, what was I going to say? Oh, so a couple of days ago, I decided to just... I was on edibles and I was a little bit high and I said, I'm going to text my parents. Uh Oh, what should I text them? And, and, uh, I said, so I texted and I say my parents, but it's always my mom. Cause my dad doesn't really talk to me. So I go, Hey, you know, marijuana, recreational marijuana is legal in your state now. Have you guys been getting high? And I thought it would be a funny thing to say to my parents. But my mom surprised me by answering back. Oh, yeah, your older brother has been uh, providing me with edibles. And that's the only thing that kept me sane during the quarantine. Yeah. And it's like, you just dropped that bombshell on me that my mom's been getting fucking high? <laughs> what? You can't just you can't just drop that on me? You mean to tell me I've got something in common with my mother? This is groundbreaking. <laughs> Damn. Is she indica or sativa? I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm still processing that. It's like, yeah, my mom and I can have edibles together. That's amazing. You ever tried Smokies? They're my favorite brand. I got a shirt of theirs. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, so that's, so, oh, that's, so just, that's what that I, just brings up, though. Uh, 420, I was out of weed, so that was, like, my first priority when I got off work. So I went to my dispensary and they had the, you know, they're like, okay, well you spent over $20. So you get to spin the wheel. And I'm, I don't even know what they're really talking about, but behind the counter is a wheel and they spun it. And I, I won a free can of this product called Keith. Yeah. Oh, it was good. Yeah. Yeah, I I've gotten high on Keith before. I can't have Keith anymore because I drink it like an actual soda. Yeah. And it's like, okay, gonna try this Keith. Mm, this is really good. Mm, this is tasty. Oh man! So I finished that can. That was really good, and I just forgot what breathing is. I just forgot what the concept of time is. How old am I? What is age? Yeah. So I can't drink Keith anymore. Well, it's potent. It's like 100 milligrams a can. Yeah, it is. Potent as fuck. And I I used it to chase two gummies because fuck it, it's 420. Yeah, yeah. Like I like I looked at the I, like I had never seen Keefer or any you know and I haven't really done any beverages, you know. So I looked it over before I drank it, so I knew what I was getting into. But I was just like, "Fuck it, man, it's four <laughs> twenty. You know. 
Yeah. So I shot that fucker back. <laughs> I love boobs. What? I love boobs. You my do? boobs are off. <laughs> I love them. Move over, my wife. <laughs> These are sweet. So how are you doing, Bunny? Uh, I'm okay. I'm okay. What? I am. You are right. I am on a quest. Okay. What quest? And I and I do need help. Okay. okay. So everybody listening, I'll probably even post about it. It will probably be the title of this buddy versus. Okay. But try as I have. I have not found the commercial with grimy mold guy. Yes. I I I, I, I feel I need to contact Grimy Mold Guy and let him know that we are behind him. Yeah. I want to see Grimy Mold Guy accept his Oscar and know that, God damn it, we had a hand in it. But I have searched everything I could think of. I cannot find this fucking commercial. Yeah. Grimy mold guy. We both saw it. Jeannie and I both saw it. It was a stupid commercial on YouTube that you couldn't get out of. And we didn't because we started laughing about grimy mold guy. Okay. It was a. I'll keep my eyes open. A guy walks up to a front-loading washing machine, opens it up, and grimy mold guy pops his head out. Okay. He kind of looks like a Galifianakis, except he's a bit redder. And he's wearing like a tennis band around his head. You know, he is dressed to represent grimy mold. He might have some socks on him. And it's for some kind of product or detergent to get that grimy mold smell out of your washer. I am not sure if it's specifically for front-loading washers. (coughs) I have tried multiple different kinds of washers. I cannot find grimy mold guy. And it's specifically for washing machines? Yes. Okay. 
It was to get a grimy, moldy smell out of your washing machine. Washing machine mold. on the lookout for grimy mold guy and let us know. Please. And it's not I like we don't even have a picture. I'm going to have to do an artist's rendition and and make it the background of Bunny versus. That might help. <coughs> that might legitimately help. I'm yeah. certainly not finding it. Um, commercial. I, I I will post an artist's rendition of Grimy Mold Guy in the group after the show. Like a wanted poster. Corncobium mold control. Corncrobium mold control. TV commercial. Defend your home laundry. When a man walks into the laundry room, he sniffs around and detects a bad odor. He is horrified to find mold in the washer and immediately screams in the face of an actual man representing the fungus that immediately screams back? Yes! Yes! It's called corncrobium. Do you, do you have a link? Corn, con, concrobium. Yes, you did. I gotta find that commercial though. Hell yeah. Okay. Um let me see here. I spot TV is where I found it. Okay, there's the link. I found it on my tablet, so it's difficult to uh it's not as easy to share as it would be somewhere else. That is it. That is it. Booyah. Oh, dude. Okay. Okay. So phase one is complete. I just posted it. I just posted it on this. Concrobium. Cool. Mm. 
I'm doing the movie dance. That was awesome. We searched for fucking everything. Hell yeah. Now, phase two is tracking down grimy mold guy. Yeah. We so proud. We, the Pope on film, are champions for grimy mold guy. Grimy mold guy. Yeah. I wonder if. Hold on. I'm gonna track down grimy mold guy. Concrobium. Okay, let me see. Concrobium. Damn it. Okay. I was checking to see if Concrobium. <laughs> Maybe defend your home. Laundry? Let me see. Yeah, okay. It's not on IMDb. I just wanted to check. Oh! Seems like the sort of thing that maybe this guy was so proud of it that he put it as a... as a. I was in a Concrobium Defend Your Home commercial. Yeah. No, he's not there. He's out there somewhere, though. We're going to find him. And we're going to find him. Wow, what a, what a, what a, what an exciting, what an exciting, uh, uh, bunny versus this has been. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. The search has begun. We are going to find and encourage Grimy Mold Guy in all his endeavors. Yes. Uh, so just a couple of other things before closing out. Now that we're hot on the trail, that was an awesome find at Gumtasia. Yes, yes, yes. I when I was a kid, I would have my mom pick me up from the Catholic school. And then we had to rush home because if we rushed home, we would get in, we would get home in time for me to watch the Gumby show on channel 45. Yeah. And it, it was before the new adventures of Gumby. They would just show the old Gumby shorts. Yes. And I was obsessed with Gumby when I was a kid. I was 100% obsessed with Gumby. I had Gum- the Gumby 3D comic book. Yes. I had a Gumby toy that I took around everywhere. I imagined that I was Gumby and I could go into books and play with toys and I was just obsessed with Gumby. So I knew of the existence of Gumbasia because they would occasionally play it. And it would be the weirdest thing. Because here's Gumby and Pokey. 
Here's Gumby and Prickle. Here's Gumby and Rue. Here's Gumby versus the Blockheads. And here's a bizarre jazz odyssey. Yeah. And and it would always be weird, like, oh, hey, I'm watching this fun Gumby adventure. I'm watching this fun Gumby adventure. And hey, you just took acid. Yeah. It was like uh, Sesame Street. One of these things is not like the other. What really, what really hit me was was just the 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 whole feel of it. You know, like yeah. If you said, "Hey, I want to show you this thing," guess who made it? And I and I watched it. I would I would say whoever made Gumby made this because like the film stock the lighting you know how the clay looked you know i mean there was some clay in there that was just clearly gumby clay Mm -hmm. you know and it also looks like it, it looks like an earlier work from the guy who did gumby you know, yeah, I was like, going. There's a like, there's large chunks of it that really aren't animated at all. It's just clay sitting there, and you just move yeah. the camera over it. Yeah, you know, but he does get into actual animation. Uh, it looks like a lot of the same animation that I've seen in where Gumby. <laughs> So, so, so Maxwell like and awesome. I were going, huh? Yeah. Maxwell and I were going through videos on Tubi TV one night because I, I love Tubi, the streaming service, because it just has all of the shit that no other streaming service would want. Yeah. Tubi has. So, and Lucha underground it has this show i was obsessed with called travel sick and it's got this other show with a comedian bert kirshner and he just goes to different theme parks and rides roller coasters and it's got all this weird bizarre strange stuff it has the two animated titanic movies which are both considered to be the worst one of the worst movies of all time yeah and i saw that they had gumby cartoons and it's like here here is all of the 90s Gumby cartoons. Here is all the 80s Gumby cartoons. And here is all the original Gumby cartoons. And Maxwell's like, who's Gumby? And I'm like, you don't know who Gumby is. No shit. We're going to sit here and watch Gumby. So we sat and we watched Gumby for a while. And the thing that just kept running through my mind is like, damn, I watched these when I was Maxwell's age. And now here I am in my 40s watching this, watching these. And all I can think of is, I need to get really fucking stoned and watch fucking Gumby because these are a goddamn trip. Mm-hmm. These are such a goddamn trip. But then I realized, wait, Gumbasia's not there. And Maxwell's like, what's Gumbasia? And I'm like, shit, now I need to find Gumbasia. And then I find it and see that it's public domain. And it's like, well, I got to do a, a video and introduce Gumbasia to kids. And every time that I do one of those, every once in a while on my kid-friendly YouTube channel, I try and make it a mini shap. Yes. 
And that's what I tried to do with Gumbasia. And I'm like, hey, this is by Art Cloakey. He made Gumby. Let me explain this to you children. So hopefully that worked. I might, I, I'm thinking of doing a Davy and Goliath cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. Because those were fun. <laughs> but I don't know. I was thinking maybe we should do like a special with Gumbasia. And I have this thing that I've been sitting on, which is Tales of Frankenstein, which was a pilot for a 50 series starring Doug McGowan, Don McGowan. As the monster. Weird. So it's just this one shot. I, I was I was reading up a little on creation of the humanoids. And I came across this on Wikipedia. And I went on YouTube and I found it. And I downloaded it. Hmm. Eyes up here, honey. Eyes up here. <laughs> You know what someone sure. should do? You know what someone should do? I just came up with this while you were talking about that, Bunny. Into the Frankenverse. Yeah. Just get all the different Frankensteins together. There's Karloff, and then there's... Uh, Wait, Frankensteins or Frankenstein's monster? Into the, they can have a whole argument about it. All the different Frankensteins. There's Mel Brooks's Frankenstein. There's a Robert De Niro. It's like, wait, that one's British. That's weird. You know the the Hammer Frankenstein. Yes, that would be fun. Have all the Frankenstein's together. I love the fact that Bella Lugosi. Frankenstein's monster is Frankenstein. Sorry. Yeah. I, I love the idea that Bela Lugosi was so iconic as Dracula that even if someone doesn't know who Bela Lugosi is, if someone does a Dracula impersonation, they're doing a Bela Lugosi impersonation. Yes. That's fascinating to me. Yes. That's and some iconic still shit. Do a generic Boris Karloff. Yeah. And when you think Frankenstein, yeah, you think. Yeah. yeah. And that's Frankenstein. Really, but, but oh, that's you mean really from Bela Lugosi? Yeah. The the classic. Yeah. That's interesting to me. Walk for some reason is from Bela Lugosi's portrayal because that was that one what? Frankenstein was supposed to have been blind and then wasn't Bela Lugosi really the first Igor oh yes yes so that's fascinating. That is fascinating. It's now that I think about that. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's 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 that is that blows my mind. Igor that blows makes my his mind. First, first appearance in Son of Frankenstein. And Igor, I think, is really one of fucking Bela Lugosi's best ass performances. Yeah. And then he was Igor again in Ghost of Frankenstein. Yeah. And in Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman, that is actually Igor's brain in the monster. Yes. And he went blind in the procedure. Yeah. But they went back and forth in production and really didn't tell Bella that they didn't want him to be blind anymore. But that's it. You get your arms out. Yeah, he got Jackie from Manos. Yeah. Yeah. He got Jackie Neiman from Manos. But that's where you get that's where you get the very stiff walk for Frankenstein and the arms outstretched because he's blind. Yeah. Yeah. Which is weird how that became the iconic Frankenstein. Yeah. Shaking my boobies. Never had boobies before. This is this is really exciting. Those Mae West movies really affected you. Right? <laughs> and the best thing is that if I spill anything, I got towels right in here. Yeah. That I can use to clean up. It's the best part about having boobs. Is that there are also hand towels. Yeah. I didn't want to show off my wife. You know, because hers are pretty big, so I didn't want to go bigger than her. Yes. Yeah, that's why I carry the burden of the smallest boobs in the house. I don't want to even yeah. feel bad about it. Yeah, I feel you, Amber. <laughs> yeah, who am I to make someone feel inferior? To me? I've got a really short shaft, but it's really, it's odd. Okay. A short, odd, strange shab. That is very timely. I find it to be absolutely fascinating, but I don't know if anybody else is going to. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, let then let us get on over there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I will need a short break in between, so I'm going to run the last break until I get back. And then we'll go okay. to Shaft. Okay? Okay. 10-4. Okay, let me just kill that sound a moment. And where...
business owner to increase his cash flow more than in the in the past 25 years than in the entire recorded history. Republicans had cause to laugh today, and no, I'm not talking about Trump care. They're fine with that. The book, Reasons to Vote for Democrats, a comprehensive guide, released on February 8, 2017 and written by Michael J. Knowles, became Amazon's number one bestseller. The book, which contains 266 blank pages, has a loyal fan base who were more than happy to leave a review singing its praise. While many found the book informative, captivating, and the best book they have seen this year, others found that the 266 blank pages actually gave them nightmares. Some purchasers of the book found the blank pages too daunting and are anxiously awaiting the audio version. The GOP base, who vigilantly scrutinizes any and all events for even the slightest hint of conspiracy, and we're back with more of the Pope on Film. Money. Yes. If you're like me, you're no doubt a fan of this podcast, the Pope on Film. I mean, who is it nowadays in this day and age? I've got popcorn in my teeth. But only real fans, true hardcore fans that have been with us since the beginning would know two important facts about the both of us, America's hottest podcasting couple, Bunny and Steve. First and foremost, the 100% true, undeniably really real and in no way made up on the spot fact about you, Bunny, is that you are a proud Gilligan's Island fetishist. Now tell us what exactly does it entail? Um, each of the castaways represent a a different fetish. Okay. okay. Obviously, Marianne and Ginger are obvious. You know. Yeah. We we don't have to go there. Uh, but Gilligan is very much a little boy, and the skipper. Uh, I think by today's standards, he may classify as a bear. Yes. Okay. Um. The professor is clearly submissive. Yes. To Mr. Howell and Lovey, the both of them. Lovey, yes, oh. yes. So, so that is basically Fifty Shades of Howell. Nice going there that the professor is involved in. Um, and that pretty much covers the castaways. I haven't missed anybody, right? Mary and Ginger, uh, the Howells, the Professor, the Headhunters, Logan and the Skipper. Yeah, no, you got it. You got it. Well, uh, I, I, uh, 
I'm fine with whatever you decide to fetishize, Bunny. I, I support you. So that's important. And the second thing that you would know about me is that I'm a lover of history. I love it, but I'm also a storyteller. So what I like to do is I like to get a story from the history books and reword it via my own unique storytelling style. And that's what this segment is. Another educationally uneducational installment of Steve's Historic Approximations. Dun, 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 dun. Or shap, as I like to call it, repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not. Personally, I like the name shap. It's short, but it's fun, and it's to the point. It's the Quibi of podcast segments. Oh, Quibi, will your star ever stop rising? Anywho, this week on the old Shappity Shap Shap, we will be discussing the insanely popular American snack food and the odd place it was invented at. Okay. Bunny. Yes. Disneyland just recently reopened after roughly 13 months closed, which is unprecedented. And I thought that I would celebrate the reopening of Disneyland with a look at an odd bit of Disneyland history. There's a lot of odd things about Disneyland history. In order to build the Indiana Jones ride at Disneyland, they had to take up a large bit of space, which was previously used as a parking lot. And so as a fun little nod, they kept one of the parking lot signs in the ride. So as you go into one of the rooms of the ride, there's this giant screen and it's the safety spiel for the ride. And you see Sala from the Indiana Jones movies telling you about the ride. But if you turn around, which hardly anyone does, you can clearly see on the wall that you are in the Eeyore parking spot. (laughs) <laughs> because back in the day I remember where we parked we parked at Pinocchio uh-huh. so they kept the Eeyore parking sign inside of Indiana Jones I find that interesting I know a lot of uh, Disneyland history and so this is a weird bit of Disneyland history so originally Disneyland was free to get into and 10 it was bucks abs- to get out right <laughs> It was absolutely free to get into the park, but each ride cost to ride. So you would buy ride tickets to get on the ride. They stopped this in 1982. Before that, it was kind of both like, oh, hey, it's $10 to get in. And then you have to buy these tickets. But they stopped all of that in 1982. Well, that makes that makes sense because you could see that it was grown out of a carnival. And you don't pay to get into a carnival. Yeah. But the original concept that Walt Disney had for the park was, and I I find this absolutely fascinating, every shop on Main Street, he would rent out to businesses and corporations. And nowadays, you go through Main Street at Disneyland, and all of the stores and the shops and the restaurants are owned by Disney. 
They're all Disney stores. But imagine Main Street back then in the early days of Disneyland where every different store, every different part is owned by a different actual company or corporation. I imagine it would have been like walking through the mall nowadays. You walk through a mall, there are those kiosks in the middle of the mall where some low-paid employee is acting like a carnival barker trying to force you to cough up cough up cash for some hair product or something, you know? Yeah. Imagine that, but at Disneyland. Basically, that was Walt's plan to make money. There was actually a lingerie shop on Main Street. Because <laughs> when you think Disneyland, you think... I need panties. Yeah. Because goofy, goofy makes me get messy. And then, the, you know, <laughs> makes the panties drop. No. Which I don't think anyone has ever said out loud. Here it is. Uh, man lingerie. The dick sock looks like goofy. Nice. Yeah. Or uh, the balls for Mickey's ears. Do you want to suck it? Uh-huh. <laughs> I thought that was, it, it, that will haunt me for the rest of my life. But just think about it, though, because all these impressionable young children grew up with these Disney cartoons. Little Mermaid lingerie. Oof, yeah. Sleeping Beauty lingerie. Yeah. So ev- lingerie. So just imagine every store at Disneyland that's now a gift shop being an actual goddamn store. <laughs> it sounds odd and horrible. And nowadays, Disneyland owns like every aspect of their theme park. But originally, each ride has a, had a sponsor. Each restaurant was owned by a different company. And that was Walt's big plan to make Disneyland very successful. And I think it's interesting an interesting thing to focus on, especially since nowadays, the price for every Disney theme park just keeps going higher and higher and higher every year. So the classic... National Lampoon's vacation idea of the family vacation to a Disney theme park just keeps getting more and more unaffordable for people like me. Yeah. And that's sad. And so I like to think about the early days of Disneyland and maybe Disneyland was still renting out every inch of their shit like in the good old days. Then maybe normal people could actually afford to go to a goddamn Disney park, the greedy bastards. But anyway... Um, in front land, see, it's still there to this day, but it's gone through some different itinerations. Uh, but it's technically still there in Disneyland. It's not called this now, but when it first opened, uh, there was a restaurant in Frontierland at Disneyland called the Casa de Fritos. It was a Mexican restaurant. The Casa de Fritos. It opened at Disneyland in Frontierland on August 11th, 1955, just one month after the opening of Disneyland. And FYI, that is Fritos, as in fucking Fritos. Okay. The chip company was founded in 1932. Nowadays, it's owned by PepsiCo. So the Casa de Fritos was a Frito-Lay chip-centric Mexican restaurant. They sold a mixture of Mexican food and Tex-Mex food, including a Fritos chili pie. And you'd get a free bag of Fritos with each, with each order that you did. 
Yes. Here's some treats. Fritos. They even had a machine in the back. Um, a lot of the companies that would uh, set up shop at Disneyland would have to, oh, we need to jazz up our store to get people to come into the to our part of Disneyland. And so the lingerie store on Main Street had an audio animatronic in the back called the Wizard of Bras. <laughs> And it was an audio animatronic wizard that would teach people about the history of women's lingerie. So at the Casa de Fritos in Frontierland, there was a big wall in the back, and that's where the Frito kid lived. He was a he was a, a cowboy, and he was a he was connected to a machine, and there was a mountain. And he was like a gold miner, I guess, in Frontierland. You'd put a nickel in and he would talk to you and turn the crank and you would get a bag of Fritos. And he would talk to you a little. And it's so weird to think of like 1955 people wandering around Disneyland eating fucking Fritos. That's weird to me. That blows mind to think of people just walking around Disneyland in 1955 just freely eating Fritos. So uh, the Fritos company would supply the Casa de Fritos with all of the Frito related ingredients but a local company near Disneyland called Alex Foods they would be the people who supplied all of the other ingredients to the Casa de Fritos restaurant. So as the story goes, one day a in the 60s, in the very early 60s, a uh, salesman for Alex Foods comes to visit the Casa de Fritos at Disneyland. And so he's looking around and he's seeing how things work and trying to figure out what uh, they need and what, what to order. And they notice that at the end of the day, they're throwing away a ton of tortillas. Every day, they're like, oh, we didn't use these tortillas. We're going to throw them away. And the salesman's watching this and he's like, huh. Hey guys, I noticed that at the end of the day, you're all just throwing away the tortillas that you don't use. To be fair, it's probably a white guy, so he probably mispronounced it. Hey guys, I noticed you're throwing away all the tortillas yes. that you that that you don't use at the end of the day. So the salesman's thinking, and he's all like, "Look." That's a lot of food you're wasting. There's got to be a way to cut down on all of the waste. How about, I don't know, I'm just spitballing here, but what if you uh, get the old tortillas, you cut them up, you fry them, there you go, boom, some chips. There, there you are. You're, you're, you're now, uh, you're not wasting food. You're, you're making chips. That's a good idea. So the Casa de Fritos started doing that on a regular basis. They would get the tortillas, cut them up, fry them, maybe put some taco sauce, some uh, nacho cheese type uh, powder on them. And uh, they, they gave them away for free. And the, the, the concept was, maybe y'all are sick of Fritos. Yeah. Oh, here's 
Fritos pie. Here's a free bag of Fritos. Be sure and visit the Fritos kit in the bag. You can get a bag of Fritos for a nickel in here. So more Fritos. So it's like, okay, if you're sick of Fritos, here are these new chips that we invented here at Disneyland, and you can eat those. And so it was really popular. And 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 people would love to get these chips at Disneyland. And they absolutely loved them. They were a huge hit at Disneyland. And people would come to the Casa de Fritos just to try these new chips. And they were such a hit that in 1964, the vice president of marketing for Fritos visited the Casa de Fritos. And they're like, okay, business is doing good. People are liking Fritos. Kids love the Fritos kid in the background. But what is the deal with these chips? These are popular. Um, the guy was blown away by how popular these chips were in Disneyland. So he went back to the Fritos company. They said, maybe we should sell these chips because they're pretty popular at Disneyland. So the company decided to test market the chips in Southern California and boom, they sell out. They sell out like fucking crazy. So Fritos knew they were onto something. They just needed a good name. Well, in Spanish, the word Dorado means a fried golden thing. Okay. And in the language of, I love you. Okay. In the language, of, in the Spanish language, if you want to make anything small, you add an ito at the end. Yes. So, like, I had an uncle named Javier, and then uh, he had a son named Javier Jr. So we just called him, here's Javier, here is Javiercito. Yeah. You add a cito at the end of it. So uh, they went with the name Doradito brand chips, which would translate into little fried golden thing. Uh, but then the suits are like Doradito chips. No one's going to eat Doradito chips. You need to make that shorter. And so this is the 100% true story about how over 50 years ago, Disneyland invented fucking Doritos. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> when you go to the store and you see the big ass Doritos section and you go, oh, hey, there's Cool Ranch Doritos. There's real regular Doritos. There's Flamin' Hot Doritos. They're bringing back Doritos 3D. Yeah. And, and you see all those Doritos. Just think that those were sold by the Fritos kid. Those were invented at Disneyland. I, I'm shocked that one of America's uh, 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 snack foods was invented at a theme park. People do not know this. I know yes. I end most of all of my shaps like this, but I am shocked that people don't know this story. It, it is appalling. It is appalling. Our education system is shit. Yeah. Teach kids the real stuff. The real stuff you need to know. Doritos were invented at Disneyland. That is yes. fascinating to me. You know? Oh, 
I imagine my shafts are a great thing to listen to for a small talk at work. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All of my shafts. They great for that sort of thing. But yeah, Disneyland gave birth to a find that absolutely fascinating. So next time you see Doritos, remember, it's a small world after all. Yes, it is. It's a small, small world. And that's it for Steve's Historic Approximations this week. Be sure and join us next week for something else. Yes. I don't know what, but we'll figure it out. Shaps have a tendency to land on my lap nowadays. But be sure and join us next week for more educationally fun with Steve's Historic Approximations. And cut on that. Bunny! Yes? We still have a movie to discuss. We need to talk about Andy Sedaris. We need to talk about the cheapest credits in the world. We need to talk about the three Bs. We need to talk about Pat Morita. Yes. We need to talk about uh, what blondes keep in cowboy boots. Yes. We have a lot to discuss. Plus, we're going to do some singing, and I'm really proud of this. We're going to be knocking it out of the park. So proud. But before we get to any of that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should take a break. Okay. I concur. We will be right back with more of the Pope on film after this. Do 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 skiddy bop a doo wow and break.
between work and school, I'm a very busy person. I don't have time to meet that special someone. So I went to loverstate.com, paid the $700 fee, and filled out the questionnaire, which they obviously ignored. What? Hey, baby. My name's Ted the Stead. Ted the Stead? Yeah, um, it's really Ted the Stud, but uh, that don't rhyme. <laughs> I wanted someone who was financially stable. Oh, okay. Are you ready to go? Oh, uh, hey. <laughs> Are you going to pay for this? Because I spent my last five bucks on some lottery tickets and some 40 ounces. <laughs> oh, never mind. I got some Chef R.D. in the car. Be right back. I wanted somebody who was sweet. Oh, they're beautiful. Yeah, amazing what you find when your neighbors don't lock the car door. <laughs> you need a Bible? <laughs> I wanted a person who was family-minded. Do you have any kids? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure somewhere. Hey, who is that there, that there picture of you? That's my sister. She is. How about later on you, me, and her get together? In the bedroom. I wanted someone adventurous. Uh, are you expecting somebody? No. Look, uh, <laughs> if it's the cops, I'm not here. You're wanted by the cops? Yeah, look, it's a little bit of a misunderstanding. <laughs> See, I, I didn't know she was 15. I, I thought she was 12. <laughs> I wanted someone to call me unexpectedly and tell me they needed me. Oh. Hello? Hey, baby. Ted, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. I know, baby, but I need you real bad. The cops got me. <laughs> I need bail money like now. It cost me 20 minutes of my time to fill out the questionnaire, $700 to join, one bad date, 20 calls a night for two weeks, and another $200 to file a restraining order. Thanks a lot, loversdate.com. Loversdate.com, we just promised you a date. Wow. This room, this room is perfect. The, the horror in here, man. Oh, just... Mm, it's so good. This is a great, great room. Yeah, I mean, this room is exactly like the one downstairs. I mean, you can do whatever you want. With a it. shrine right there on the oh, wall. Yes, a shrine with incense. Yes, can you smell the incense everywhere? Yes. And my Chopra poster. Chopra, wasn't he in that guy's Star Trek? And my sign, my sign right there. Oh, yes, my sign. Well, we'll have to move the TV. Yes, throw it out. Oh, yes, get rid of it altogether. Well, we don't. You don't need a TV downstairs if you don't want it. No, no. that TV. Yes. That TV? No. That one. Wait, wait, are you talking uh, about moving in here? Well, yeah, man. <laughs> no, 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 you guys can't move in here. <laughs> well, why not? It, uh, it's so perfect. Um, mm. I, I, I sleep in the new. Well, me too, man.
Nice move. No, Lori. That's the sun. I say it's the moon. I know it's the sun. Now, by my mother's son, that's myself. It shall be moon or star or anything I list. Ere we journey back to your father's. Go on. Get the horse. There's seriously something wrong. Master of the Pan Flute, 
that magical instrument with the unforgettable sound. Now in his magnificent all-new collection, Samfir plays the world's most beautiful melodies. and save COD charges by calling toll-free 1-800-421-2000. Or, to save all additional charges, send check or money order for only $12.98 for two albums or two cassettes, or $19.98 for two compact discs to Zomphir, P.O. Box 8449, Atlanta, Georgia. Remember, that's Zomphir, P.O. Box 8449, Atlanta, Georgia. Be like water and come back next week or I'll kick your ass.
Hard ticket to Hawaii. It has it all. The awesome, pristine beauty of the land. The warm caress of perfect beaches. The tantalizing wetness of the blue Pacific. Hawaii. It's a great place to visit. But you wouldn't want to die there. Four of America's finest ready and willing to pay the price for paradise. They're undercover, but not under-equipped. On this mission, there's hard flying, hard playing, hard fighting. Agents are everywhere. Have no mercy. Kill them all. This ain't no hula. It's a hard ticket to Hawaii. And we're back with more of the Pope on Film. Act three, Bunny! Act three! Act three! Yes, Bunny, my friend, who is more than brother to me, I embrace thee. Really like this graphic for uh, Act three. We're at the fair having fun. Yeah, yeah. Love that. Love that. And I could change anyway. Out, I could change out the poster, and it just seemed to make some sense. Yeah, yeah, I dig that. It is time once again for all of us here at the Pope on Film Podcast to ca- casually stroll on in to the third and final act of the show, and it is said third act wherein we finally and eventually get around to discussing our low fat, high in fiber, and now available without a prescription movie. Oh! the week and this week we embrace the bad with the 1987 bad movie hard ticket to hawaii yes which makes no fucking sense at all no period whatsoever uh paste magazine called this film the best B-movie of all time. Really? This is a beloved film for bad movie lovers. Bad movie lovers love this film. Uh, Okay. I I, I can see it. I can see it. I'm not going to challenge that at all. Let me hit people... Let me hit the people with uh, proof of concept. 
this is our 299th episode of this podcast. So next week is a really big episode for us. And so on our road to our big episode, I wanted some different positive vibes. I didn't want to watch just good movies, but watch movies where we would have fun. So we watched Nobody, which was a fucking blast. Yes, it was. That was a fun-ass film. Uh, we watched Money Plane, which was a piece of shit that I love. <laughs> I love no, that, that piece it, of shit. It oh, has gosh. value. It has value. Do you know who the fuck you're talking to? I am Darius Emmanuel Grouch III. Now bring me that Money Plane! <laughs> and now this week, Hard Ticket to Hawaii. One of yes. the best, worst films out there. And I said this earlier in the podcast. I'm going to say it again. Uh, I follow a lot of uh, bad movie lovers on Twitter. And one of them said in a discussion about bad movies, B movies, Grindhouse movies, late night Cinemax type movies that um, tits in 10 minutes or I'm turning it off. Yes. is a, a category for a certain type of film that this week's movie most definitely is. Uh, so, like, that stuck in my mind, and I'm like, oh, it's in 10 minutes, or I'm turning it off. I've never heard that before. I'm going to remember that. So when we did Hard Ticket to Hawaii, I knew that there were uh, Playboy bunnies in it and penthouse pets and that sort of thing. So I'm like, this seems like it would be a tits in 10 minutes film. Really? I'm going I to kind of suspe suspected they were. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, they absolutely were. So uh, so I, I, I paid attention. I'm like, I'm going to clock this and see if it's a tits in 10 minutes film. No, this is a tits in under two minutes film, yes. which is difficult to do to show boobs in the first two minutes. You got to really want it. You know, for that. This film gave me Miami Connection vibes. Yeah. Which is a film we did a long time ago that I haven't thought of for a while. <laughs> but this, this movie did feel like, oh, our band has to go stop the motorcycle ninjas. Yeah. Sort of a Miami Connection vibe plus this is the cheapest credits around what did these but credits I did, but i did appreciate it i did appreciate i thought it was a rather inventive method yeah of yeah. doing the credits on yeah. the cheap i mean some thought and effort still went in yeah 100 percent and it was, and then when you get to the end credits, it's like that's obviously the exact same crate from the opening, but they just slapped the end on it. Yeah, one hundred percent. This is one of those movies, and I'm looking at the screen here that you have up on the Facebook. And if you're listening to this on your favorite uh, podcasting device, probably Stitcher, which as everyone knows is taking the world by storm. Mm -hmm. uh, we we stream this live on the Facebook 
for as long as it will stay up and before uh, Facebook decides to take us down because we're too edgy. Yes, exactly. We're too much for the Zuckerberg. Looking at the poster that you have up between the both of us on Facebook, this is definitely one of those movies where the poster is instantly better than the film. Yes. Because looking at this poster, I'm like, oh my God, they made a live action G.I. Joe. But like, oh, this movie is shit. But yes. it's fun shit. It is a fun, shitty film. Bunny. Yes. You're so good at explaining plots. You're like the Michael Jordan of plot explanations. And I just want to say that I appreciate that. I appreciate you. I see you. And I hope that when you think of me, when you think of Steve, uh, you feel held by me and that I feel like home to you. Yes. So uh, could you hit us with the plot of this week's film, Bunny? I'll give it a shot. (laughs) Don't forget the contaminated snake. It seems to me that there there are these two voluptuous women who are like secret agents along with uh, a couple of two, three dudes. I forget. Uh, and they are like stationed on Hawaii or something, and there are bad guys, and bad guys have diamonds. The smallest fucking diamonds in the goddamn world. Yes. They're like Skittles. They're Tic Tacs. Fucking ridiculous. And they are... Transporting the diamonds via remote control helicopter to God knows where. And it lands in front of the girls and the door on the helicopter opens and they take out the contents and these it's these diamonds and they keep the diamonds. Yeah. So right here in the movie... I am in a morally ambiguous position. Okay? Because just because they're bad guys does not mean they don't own these diamonds. True. True. I thought you were going to wreck it, Ralph, me. Just because you are a bad guy doesn't mean you are a bad guy. <laughs> So they basically stole these guys' diamonds. Yeah. Yeah. And they get pissed off about it. And they come after our heroes? Uh, I I mean, I'm not sure anymore if these are actually heroes. But anyway. uh, So bad guys do bad things. Things good guys do bad things. Um, 
and good guys keep diamonds. And there's a snake. (laughs) Okay. A contaminated snake. That is the movie. A contaminated snake. Contaminated by radioactive rat isotopes or something like that? Um, let me tell you how that snake was contaminated. It strayed from the teachings of Snake Jesus. <laughs> snake Jesus hissed for our sins. The so. snake was a ridiculous looking animal <clears throat> and was such a subplot that the snake appeared about as often as the gopher in Caddyshack. Okay, yeah. And it very much had a gopher in Caddyshack feel. Yeah. It looked about as real as the gopher from Caddyshack. Yeah. Okay, um, let me try and explain some of this for you. So, this is an Andy Sedaris film. Andy Sedaris. No relationship to author David Sedaris or to actress Amy Sedaris. This is an Andy Sedaris film. Andy Sedaris cranked out cheap action movies from 1985 to 1998. And this man knew what type of movies he was making because he called his films BBB which stood for bullets, bombs, and babes. Yeah. And the weird thing is, is that all of the movies that he made, he made like 12 films, they're all in a shared universe. Really? So so the two blondes in this film were in the previous film. Okay. And so... The film after this, one of the blondes also appears in that. So it's like this weird Andy Sedaris verse. Yeah. And so, yeah, Andy Sedaris had this rotating cast of whoever he could afford at the time and a lot of Playboy models and penthouse pets. Uh, Yeah. Both of the two interchangeable blondes in this were both in Playboy. And so, yeah, it's, it's the nineties. It's 1 AM and you're changing the channel and suddenly you're changing the channel on your cable box And it's like 1997, and suddenly you see Julie Strain and or Sybil Danning shooting machine guns. Congratulations, you're now watching your first Andy Sedaris film. Yes. Here's another one. If you're at your local mom and pop video rental place in 1991 and you're looking at all the box art waiting for something to grab you and suddenly you find yourself thinking, gee, I didn't know Eric Estrada and Pat Morita made an action film together. Congratulations. (laughs) You're about to rent your first Andy Sedaris film. Nice. Uh. 
Yeah, if you're watching a movie late at night on cable TV and there are two nearly identical, interchangeable, half-naked blondes taking a shower and being in, in peril, congratulations, you have entered the world of Andy Sedaris. Yes. What are we going to do about these diamonds? I don't know. Maybe we should think about it in the jacuzzi. Yes. I do my best thinking there. Actual yeah. line. Actual line from this movie. That's an actual line in the movie. Yeah. Oh, man. I I, I knew. I knew there. You know, well, I knew before there, but that sunk it. I, I swear to save time, to save time and cut to the chase, the two blondes in Hard Ticket to Hawaii should have just done a Dr. Seuss and just had shirts that said thing one and thing two. Yes. That way, there you go. And also, and, and, and yeah, yeah. And they're, they're trying to escape the contaminated snake. And this is how you contaminate a snake. Number one, you make it smoke marijuana because that's a gateway drug. Yes. You smoke marijuana once. Next thing you know, you are doing crack in the streets. Yes. With the wrong crowd of snakes. <laughs> you stray from the teachings of Snake Jesus. This film is set in Hawaii, and here are some fun facts about Hawaii. Number one, if you're looking for something to do in Hawaii, take a scenic aerial tour of the island. Not only is it fun and inexpensive, but the pilots dress like fucking strippers. So that's a fun extra, you know, a, a perk. Yes. But number two, do not mess with those pilots because they carry ninja stars in their cowboy boots. Yes. There's just, there's just ninja star. Just in case you get attacked in the air. We'll see. All Hawaiian pilots carry ninja stars in their cowboy boots. That's, so you can stab the, the overweight guy who sang Over the Rainbow. See, that's the thing about this movie that really caught me. Okay? Yeah. I, I mean, first off, that? money was spent on this movie. You know? Yeah. Yeah. There were effects and there were stunts. They may not have been the best. You know? But they did some relatively cool things throughout the movie. Yeah. Yet I was always sitting there wondering why they did that cool thing. Yeah. You know? Like, the whole movie... Like, okay, great. Bad guys have diamonds. Why are you choosing to transport them in a remote-controlled helicopter? This is the way we've always done it. It's always worked. I mean, and it was kind of cool to see. Yeah. But it did not make any sense. Why not was she suddenly in a hand in a hang glider dropping grenades on people? Again, really cool scene. It's fun watching hand grenades drop from a hang glider. Yeah. But how she got there, why she's there, or anything else, I have no idea. 
why why did they suddenly have a blow-up doll in the car when they did not have a blow-up doll there before? Funny. You know what? You don't know a lot about the world of um, professional hitmen. (laughs) Like I do. Um, let me tell you what separates the men hitmen from the boy hitmen. The serious professional hitmen all have two things. Skateboard and blow-up doll. Why the blow-up doll? Because it hides the gun. Yes. Brilliant. Yes. Brilliant. You ever played the game Hitman? Has a lot of blow-up dolls. Like, 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 you're not afraid enough of the weird ass motherfucker behind you with a blow up doll. Yeah. Yeah. Amy Sedaris is the raping TV director. Andy, I keep saying Amy Sedaris. Andy Sedaris is the TV director. I did laugh at his line where he's like, I don't care about your body. I don't care about any of that. And then the big boobed. Waitress comes, can I catch you anything? And he just stares and goes, give me a pair of coffee. Yeah. Yeah, that was the director with a cocky and cameo. Yeah, that was him. And I was, I laughed out loud, shocked at the black guy's line when he's being interviewed. Yeah. Because there's this weird subplot with like, sports and the TV people are there and one of the TV guys is they call him JJ which apparently stands for Jimmy John's but I didn't see any tasty ass sandwiches in this movie no you have a character named Jimmy John's you better be toasting bread so I was upset about it it seems like it seemed to me like the announcer guy the sports interviewer was a part of this organization that the two I, blonde girls and the two karate guys are. Like, they're all part of this, you know, and, and, and the girls are like the Charlie's Angels unit. They even use the speakerphone. I don't scene. know if he's part of it or not. But it does seem like he's sometimes there with the rest of the group. Jimmy John. So I don't know. But this is a sort of semi-sequel to the last Andy Sedaris film, which was called Lost My Spot, Malibu Express, which came out two years before. There's a scene in the interchangeable blonde's house slash bungalow slash made out of cardboard and easy to run a motorcycle through. Yeah. And there's a poster for Malibu Express. And so they play it off as saying, oh, man, I miss whoever starred in that film because he left to go to Hollywood. And so the movie, so they have the poster for the last movie in this movie, which is a bold move. Yeah, it's like 
It's like having a poster for Caddyshack in Caddyshack 2. Yes. Like, why would you... Why would you do this? That is confusing. <laughs> um, but there's one thing that I loved about this movie, and I wanted to take a moment to discuss it with you, Bunny, and with everybody. A small aside, if you will. Okay. Put a pin on Put a pin on this film. We use a lot of pins in this podcast. Yeah. Okay. So um one of the best parts about this film is when the two interchangeable blondes, thing one and thing two, take a couple on a scenic aerial tour of the islands, and that's when they play the love theme from Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Yeah. Hard Ticket to Hawaii. And I just miss the 1980s and slightly 1990s trend of some musician being picked at random to write an R&B slash adult contemporary song that shares the title of the film. Yes. Like, hard to get to Hawaii. Like, I wish they still did that. I'm sure that Billy Ocean and Peebo Bryson would appreciate the work. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, um, I started thinking about that. Yes. And I was like, oh, well, what could we do now? So I came up with some. The first one is the worst, and then I think it gets progressively better. But I came up with some songs. Okay. That should be in popular recent films. And I just want to run some by you. Here's the first one. Oh, baby, my love for you. It's as strong as two monsters hate each other. Godzilla versus Kong. Godzilla versus Kong. My love for you's as strong as Godzilla versus Kong. I think there's that's good. I think well, I, I, I agree. I, I I miss that. I miss I miss that the theme from the James Bond movie would wind up being number one on the charts. Yeah. I yeah. like that the theme from Welcome Back Hotter became number oh. one on the fucking music charts. Oh. You know? Oh, back in the day when a TV show had a theme song that was also fucking good. Welcome back, Carter. And then also, look at what's happening to me. <laughs> I can't believe it myself. Great ass song. Yes. Well, I've got a few others. This one I'm really proud of. I wish that I could turn back time so I could fall in love with you again. I wish I could turn back time like Tenet. <laughs> I'm going to Tenet your heart. I'm going to Tenet your heart. I'm going to turn back time and fall in love like Tenet. So just love theme from Tenet. <laughs> and then I was thinking, I need to write a song that bunny will like none yes. let's let's forget this whole a pre let's let's forget this whole audience uh i just want to focus on bunny so i so i 
I came up with. Uh, oh, baby, I love you. Oh, baby, I'd do anything for you. Let's make a film, a Serbian film. <laughs> Let's make Serbian film together. Love theme to a Serbian film. Yes. Number one on the charts. Yes. Really proud of that. Okay, so I've got two more. It has to have the word baby in the lyrics a lot more, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I got two more. I'm really proud of this one. Oh, nothing bad will happen in this hostel. We are we'll never die. Let's party in this hostel, baby. Nothing bad will happen in this hostel. Let's drink some beer and fuck those ladies. And everything is great inside this hostel. Really proud of that one. This one, of course, is my favorite. The last one is my favorite one. The sun is bright. The sky is blue. I'm going to put you inside of a bear and set fire to you. Oh, <laughs> Midsommar. Midsommar. Let's hang out with Tubjorn. It's Midsommar. Midsommar. She's reason. It's Midsommar. So I think we need backup singers. Yeah, no, we need backup singers. We need black female backup singers and a lot of fucking synthesizer. Yeah. Too much synthesizer, but we've got some number one hit songs on our hand here. Yes, we do. Some hit ass songs <laughs> that I am really proud of. <clears throat> um this this is is only vaguely related so i've been trying to collect some bad movies because we've been having fun with some fun bad movies and some really good movies and then next week we're we are once again uh doing an ed wood film but then after that we're gonna pay for all of our happiness with some pretty shitty movies Yes. Not next week, but the week after that and the week after that and the week after that. I've, I've been scouring the planet for some really bad movies. So I was downloading some bad movies and I found um, the Turkish film Karate Girl. Uh-oh. Which ends with the worst uh, bad guy death ever. And this girl shoots the guy and it's just... Aah! And then she shoots him again. Ah! And it goes on for over a minute. Yes. Of just this guy getting shot. And so I cut that and I put it on Twitter and I put the greatest cinematic death scene in the history of mankind. And, um, okay. So I, last night I put that on Twitter and I thought, oh, some people will dig it. This will be funny. Um, my phone has been going off nonstop since then. So let's see. The video's been seen 3,000 times. Okay. The tweet has been seen 12,000 times. 
And my phone has just been going off since last night. And um, but here's what I wanted to talk about. Um, I'm again. This is why people really should watch on Facebook. I'm gonna show. Wait, 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 wait. Twitter and everything is going off. Why? Oh, because people love this. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. So. So I shared this this video on Twitter, and and the likes, the likes just kept coming, and and people kept sharing it and retweeting it, and people loved it. But then it started getting racist because somebody said, "Why do you look so much like the guy who's being shot?" And it's like, it's, and and it just upsets me because I have throughout my entire life been racially ambiguous yes i don't outwardly look latino a lot of people assume i'm latino numerous times here in oklahoma i go to the store and somebody goes hey what tribe are you and i'm like no thanks i'm i'm not i'm mexican thank you i'm latino thank you for point for making sure everybody knows that (laughs) and and I had a mom who would bring her kids to story time and watch every story time. And she never missed a story time. And she brought all of her kids and they were always at every story time until I mentioned I was Latino and she was heartbroken that I wasn't Korean. Oh, and she, I can't believe you're not Korean. I thought this whole time, I thought you were Korean. I'm blown away. And then I never saw her or her kids again. That is weird. Yeah, and then my freshman year of high school, I go to journalism class, and I'm sitting in the back, and there's this, like, six-foot-two skinny gay black uh, senior, and he's sitting in the front row, and the teacher's just talking and talking and said, okay, so that's all of what I have. Does anyone have any questions? And the gay, skinny, black teen raises his hand and the teacher says, yes, what's your question? And he stands up, turns around, looks directly at me and says, what race are you? Oh, God. And I go, oh, I'm Mexican. And he goes, thank you. Turns around, looks at the teacher and says, no further questions. And sits down. And that was the first time that I was ever like, people don't know my race. Okay, but it's upsetting to me. And I've just been I've been thinking about that nonstop since last night that apparently people see me and don't automatically know what my race is. And so like, oh, I need to classify you. (laughs) Apparently now I can add Turkish to the list of races people think I am. Yes. So, yeah, I'm. I'm a Benetton ad. So <laughs> that's really exciting. I just wanted to add that. Anyway, Hawaii is a really nice place to visit, but not a good place to live on account of all the rocket launch. All of the 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 rocket launcher. Gender reveal uh, parties. Gender reveal parties, that's right. And then and then the and then the fact that one of the bad guys is uh, 
uh, in drag spying on the girls. And, and that I was upsetting. I swear that he was the same guy from General Hospital who would probably be desperate for another paycheck now. Like, he was the left-handed boy. If you remember yeah. back in the Luke and Laura days. Yes, my mom was very much into Luke and Laura. I, 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 I back think in it the... might have been him. I haven't looked it up, but I suspect. Maybe. Anyway, hard this tickets movie, to Hawaii. Again, this movie is like they sat down, they thought of a string of cool things to do, and tried to write a story around that. Yeah, pretty much. Again, him driving a motorcycle out of the back of the van and speeding down the road, it's cool. I have no idea why he did that. And then driving it, it cool. <laughs> and then driving it through the wall of someone's house so he can destroy a snake who's already been shot like three times in the mouth. Yeah. Shooting the snake with a rocket launcher. Yes. Yeah. They came up with the stunts they could afford first. Yeah. And decided to write a script around it. Yes, which is really what makes it different. That makes it makes it. I forget ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. No, this is an absolutely ridiculous film, and I kind of love it. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I would watch it again if the situation presents itself somehow. Yeah. Like, if I really need to show some somebody something bad, yeah. Yeah, this will do. Yeah, it, 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 if if you're just, like, uh, getting high, getting drunk, and it's late at night, it's like, hey, you should put on a movie. And the first thing you have to say is, hey, have you seen Money Plane? And when they say yes, that's when you hit them with, okay, then... Hard ticket to Hawaii. Yeah, that's what you do. This, yeah. So by this... the time you get to, and even probably before this, by the time you get to, you flush the toilet, it explodes, and a snake erupts out of it. You're like, yeah, okay. You're either going yeah. with that or you're not. <laughs> yep, that tracks for this film. That tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, my hands are deadly weapons. <laughs> That's another line in the movie. Yeah. Someone wrote that. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Dumb oh, fun. And the, and the acting, the acting was just horrible. All the there was this movie really could have used Kelsey Grammer, you know. Oh, Darius Emmanuel Crouch the Third, also known as the Rumble. I yeah, what a this really could have gone for a Kelsey Grammer, even an yeah. Grotto. 
this was clearly a bunch of people just waiting to deliver their line and yeah. not actually yeah. acting you know like oh i stand here until i say this and then i stand here with with yeah barely a thought of saying it in a way that's interesting yeah yeah fun 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 a lot of fun yeah dumb stupid fun again a snake erupted from the to- i think the snake was the best actor in this movie oh without a doubt without a doubt the snake was the was the best actor in the film yeah the snake should have won a golden scale award I was curious to see. Globe. I was curious to see who was in this movie before I watched it. So I looked it up, and I was amazed that absolutely nobody, absolutely nobody, nobody was in this movie. Yeah, except for one Playboy Playmate of the month. At least one. There might be two. But the bigger-breasted, uh, interchangeable blonde—I believe her name was Donna. She was a Playboy Playmate of the Month in the eighties. Yes. Yeah. No Julie Strain, but manageable. She is in most of these movies. <laughs> the Darius verse. Yes. But the, yeah, the, I like the pantomime Landers sisters. Yes, yes, that's very good. That's very good. I like that. Hard ticket to Hawaii. So that was hard ticket to Hawaii. It was a lot of fun. It's it's shit, but it's fun shit. It, it's fun shit. I mean, again, a snake erupts from a, an exploding toilet. That's worth it alone. Yeah, that's 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 worth the price of admission alone. So, uh, so that's all we've got for this week. Next week, uh, we are doing the Ed Wood-ish film. I woke up early the day I died. This is a film that was uh, uh, that stars Billy Zane. And the greatest cast ever. Really? Okay. Yes. Um, think of someone from the early 90s, and there's a good chance they are in this film. Okay. It is surprising how many people... Re- and, oh, and also, there's no dialogue in this entire film. Really? Okay. Yes. This was a script that Ed Wood wrote before his death and it was never made into a film and then after Titanic Billy Zane wanted something different so he decided to star in this unfilmed Ed Wood movie. There's no dialogue and it's it originally it was called I Awoke Early the Day I Died. So uh, Billy it, it, let me think of just some of the names in this. Billy Zane, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, uh, 
John Ritter, Myla Nermi, Eartha Kitt, Sandra Bernhardt. Uh, wow. That is just an eighth of this cast. It is insane how many people are in this movie, and Billy Zane looks more like Ed Wood than Johnny Depp looked like Ed Wood in the movie Ed Wood. Cool. That's the best part about this film. And there's no dialogue. It was released in Europe a very small amount. And then by the time it was ready to be released in America, the company went out of business. And so now the only this movie only exists as like bootlegs or uh, was released on VHS in Germany. So uh, it's difficult to track down. But I got a copy. I put it on your on the shared cough cough that we share. And that's what we're doing next week for our big episode this is episode 299 i would like to take this time to say so next week is a big episode for us and we're doing the uh unreleased ed wood film i woke up early the day i died uh very excited to be discussing this film uh it has the best opening theme song ever i have been listening to this song nonstop since 2004 it's called Jesus, I Was Evil, and it's by this amazing artist who uh, committed suicide shortly after this film came out. But I love this song. It is so good. Yes. And really excited to be discussing I Woke Up Early the Day I Died. That is next week. Also, um, we're going to have a special guest podcaster next week. Okay. We'll be sharing a bit of his uh, fan fiction. Okay. Um, I'm not going to say who it is, but I'll give you a hint. His name rhymes with Schmaxwell. Okay. Yes, you'll never guess who. Plus, we're going to be looking back at our last hundred episodes. <laughs> yes. Uh, which I'm really excited about. Um, if you, Bunny, can come up with some of your favorite uh, moments be that happened between episode 300 and episode 400, maybe we can have some I, dueling lists. That would be fun. I, I will work on it. Okay. Okay. But that's next week. Be sure and join us next week. Now, But now that I'm looking back at this week, oh, man, the highs and the lows, the ups, the downs the titanic gender re reveal no parties garfield uh, uh Cats? fritos fritos uh midsomar midsomar i gotta say uh, uh i think this has been a good episode of the podcast pretty good somewhat Enjoyable. This has been a damn good episode. Good. I feel the same way, but I didn't want to step on your toes because you're sort of you're the person who makes that distinction and not me. But yes, I I concur with your assessment, good sir. So until next week, I am Bunny Williams. 
And I am Reverend Steve, and on behalf of uh, Maxwell, Eleanor, Natasha, Amber, and everybody else in this household, I would just like to say thank you for listening, and we will see you next week, you godless heathens. And cookies and cream. And cookies and cream? Yeah. And Friday night pumpkin fans and also poop. Oh, fun poop on the cookie. And and fun fact, the game Friday Night Funkin was was originally Parappa the Rapper. Parappa the Rapper. I love that game. Do 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 Nice. Cut and print. Cut and print.